0: as he thunders in on a white horse, him in charge, and he puts an end to it all. And he establishes his kingdom forever. Christ is King of Kings. Man, we are here to worship Jesus Christ. Hopefully that's obvious. We are here to worship Jesus. We are here to lift him up with all we've got. And all of God's people said, Amen, man. We are in a series here and today is the close. I can't even believe I'm saying those words. But we've been walking through Revelation chapters four through 19. And we're on the last half of chapter 19 today. We're talking about the thunderous sevens and the copycat. The thunderous sevens got at work in so many different ways. And as we see God at work, we see His grandeur and His glory. May we celebrate Him with all we have. man. our battle cry as we walk through the book of Revelation, right? For worship, not for worry. Everybody say it with me, say it loud. For worship, not for worry. Man, our job as we walk through Revelation is to see the greatness of our God. And yes, there's details and things to know, and that's awesome, but Lord God, we're here to worship you. And all of God's people said, remember as we walk Revelation 4 through 19, a simple timing in order to understand it, let's just walk through our timing statement, ready? Seven years, seven seals, seven trumpets, seven bulls, and Christ comes. Like that's it, that's the basics of it. Seven years, and it's coming in our future. There'll be a moment it gets launched, seven years long. It'll be walking through the thunderous sevens of our God. Seven seals, seven trumpets, seven bowls. Everybody say, that's the scroll, right? And so as the scroll gets opened and you see those seals being broken and God unleashing all that he stands against in this world, making it clear he's in charge overall seven seals, seven trumpets, seven bowls, and then Christ comes. May God get all the glory. Man, we are setting this up from back to front in all of Scripture. Our job is to see that Jesus Christ is the main actor. He's the one. He's what it's all about. This is the climax moment. We're starting to see it all come together today as we walk through it, and here's what I love. Man, we're on Palm Sunday. We're the week before Easter. Palm Sunday is looking backward to when Jesus Christ at his first coming was coming down the Mount of Olives 2,000 years ago. Coming down the Mount of Olives riding on a donkey. He was fulfilling scripture. It was prophesied that the Messiah would come riding on a donkey. It was a representation of coming in to bring peace, but a whole different kind of peace than what they thought. They thought it was gonna represent Him coming in to take over, that all of a sudden He would rule over the nations and He would be king forever, and they were looking at Him to be that king, that fulfillment, that part of the Messiah. They missed that He was coming first to pay for all of our sin at the cross. As he was coming down the Mount of Olives, riding on the donkey, they were crying, Hosanna, blessed be the one who comes in the name of the Lord. On the Mount of Olives 2,000 years ago, Christ riding in on a donkey. Fast forward to the end of the seven years, and it will be Christ coming back, same place, Mount of Olives, coming back in. Remember in Acts 1 when the angel said, Why are you looking up? He's gonna come back the same as the way he left. Coming down physically to the Mount of Olives as his foot touches down ripping thunderous earthquake and a massive taking charge. We're going to see him riding in not on a donkey but on a white horse. This is the second coming of Christ and we're tying it together with the first coming of Christ We have a king of kings. Everybody just say king of kings. Kings. I agree with you, man. So as we dive in today, we're going to look at Christ fulfilling and closing out Revelation 4 through 19 and so many promises in all of Old Testament scripture. This is his second coming as we dive in today. All right. So turn with me, if you will, to Revelation chapter 19, starting in verse 11. Revelation 19, starting in verse 11. We're on week 13 here of your Revelation books. Can't believe we're already at the back end of that. So you can turn to your book there, all right? Point number one believe. Jesus, the King of Kings, is coming in all righteousness, and all he will need is his powerful spoken word. Believe. Jesus is the King of Kings, and he is coming in all righteousness. And all he will need is his powerful spoken word. All right, here we go. It starts out in Revelation 19, verse 11. And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and the one sitting on it, it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems, and he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called is the Word of God. Let's just hold right there. So we have John beginning the next vision here. You've got to imagine as John has seen so much horror and so much evil and so much nasty and God standing up against it with the seals and the trumpets and the bulls, the visions he has seen have been horror level visions in so many ways. But as he enters into 19, he got to see the celebration in the heavens, the church with Christ, the declaration of the wedding done, the feast declared out, and blessed are those who are called to be a part. He's beginning to see the salvation side of all that's going on. And then he gets to see this. It says, and I saw heaven opened. When's the last time you saw heaven opened? Right? This is a huge moment. Everybody say this is a big deal. This is a big deal, man. And I saw heaven opened. The only other time you see John say this, Revelation chapter four, and it follows with him seeing the throne room of the heavenly father and all the glory and the stunning nature of God himself. Here it says, and I saw heaven opened and behold. And when we see the word behold, we say, yeah, man, check this out. A white horse, White representing victory, but more than that, we're going to see in this verse. White representing holiness, righteousness as well, and victory. Right? It says a white horse, and the one sitting on it is called faithful and true. And in righteousness, he judges and makes war. Yes, there will be victory. Right? The military. Uh, way of sending a message that you won is you ride back in on a big massive white horse and as you're riding in on the white horse with the clapping of the hooves and the horse kind of almost turning sideways with energy wanting to take off and you're holding him back there's this statement being made to everybody who sees even from afar they won he's coming in on a white horse this massive statement of victory but more than that Also, the holiness of him and his holiness being explained here. He says, faithful and true and righteous, right? Faithful, like you can trust him. Faithful, like he is right there with you. He will not leave you. You are not alone. Faithful and true. What he says is right. What he says is so accurate It is so right, but more than that, and righteous. What he does is right. He is faithful and true and righteous, and he is riding in in victory. It says his eyes are like a flame of fire. His eyes are like a flame of fire, massively discerning, perceiving. More than that, fierce in the midst, and you don't want to mess with Jesus Christ, when you think of Jesus at his first coming, Palm Sunday, coming down to be taken to the cross, riding on a donkey, how impressive is a donkey? It's okay to say not very, right? Not very impressive. The only thing impressive about it is fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. But other than that, not really. Like that's kind of a lame animal to be walking in on but coming in on a white horse of massive statement of victory, fierceness, perception in his eyes, taking a righteous stand. This is our God. His eyes are like a flame of fire and on his head are many diadems. Uh, How many? Not just one, but many. And you can represent it with one crown, but it's him in charge of all right? That's what we're talking about. Many diadems. By the way, there are two different words for the word crown in the Greek. One is a word that is a crown, like a, something you get given as a, a reward, right? It's Stephanas. It's a reward. It's the statement of what we believers will get. There's crowns, there's rewards that we're given. They're called Stephanos. It was like a reward that was given in the Olympics. Hey, nice job, way to run the race. You won, here is a crown. It represented some level of reward giving in it. That's not this. That's why they put the word diadem there in the ESV. They're making it super clear. This is actually the statement of crown for the one who rules over it all. He wasn't just given a reward, Jesus. He actually is reigning as king over everything. King over all kings, Jesus Christ himself. King and everyone under him are kings. That's what it means if you slow down and understand the phrase, king of kings. It means he's over, all the rest report into Christ is in charge. He reigns over all. King of kings, everybody just say, King of kings. kings. I agree with you, man. King of kings, this massive statement of authority on his part as he comes in with many diadems. And it says, and he has a name written that no one knows but himself. Like there is so much we don't know about Jesus Christ. John's like, I just want to make it clear. I'm revealing a little bit to you about who Jesus is, but a massive statement of who he is. Like there's so much we don't know. He will be constantly stunning us for all of eternity with his power and his gentleness, with his awesomeness and his love, with his creativity and his rule, Jesus Christ, there is so much we don't know about him, and the little that we do drops us to our knees. May God get all the glory, right? He's like, he's even got a name we don't know. It says he's clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and he hasn't even gone to battle yet. Like, this is not the blood of those that he will destroy. They haven't actually been in war with him yet, This is his own blood. He has gone to the cross, he has paid the price. Remember back when he took the scroll and they're like worthy is the lamb who was slain. This is the one who is worthy. This is the one who has paid the price. This is the one who is righteous and he died for me and for you. This is our king. May God get all the glory. And as he's riding in with his blood dipped on the robe all over the place, making the statement, I have covered the cost of sin. And for those who stand against, they will now meet up with me. May God get all the glory. This is a huge moment as he rides in this massive, ominous statement. I think all too often we think of the second coming of Christ and from a believer perspective, rightly, we're like, come Lord Jesus, come quickly. Like this will be awesome, can't wait to get on with heaven. But just so we're clear, for those who are standing against, for those who have stood in sin through the whole seven years and refused to turn no matter what level of the sevens was unfolded to them, for them what they're going to see is fierce flaming eyes Robe dipped in blood. He's declaring victory before he's even had the battle riding in on a white horse. He is massively in charge. This is who Jesus Christ is. And all of God's people said, it says, and the name by which he is called is the Word of God. And the name by which he is called is the Word of God. In the original language there in the Greek, Lagos. it means that, that word there, it means you live everything out that God represents, the word of God. You represent God in this world. You are a perfect, glorious representation of all that God is lived out to us. You're a message to us of what God stands for and what he is. You are, in fact, God himself. Remember, this is John writing The book of Revelation this is the same John who wrote the Gospel of John right and so when you go to the Gospel of John he starts out in John chapter 1 in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God he's like just so we're super clear Jesus is the Word of God he is God almighty He is the expression of God into this world, and he is God himself. May he truly get all the glory, right? It says, and the armies of heaven, everybody say, that's us. And if you believe in Jesus, you will be at home, taken up to heaven. There will be some period of time in the heavens with Christ, kind of establishing a oneness. And then you will be climbing on your white horse. It says, and the armies of heaven arrayed in fine linen, white and pure. We're following him on white horses. There's a moment after the the long oneness time in heaven, whatever that is, and spending time with Christ, where there's this marriage done and they declare out, blessed is the one who comes to the marriage feast. After that, sometime, an angel is gonna be walking out with a monstrous white horse that Christ starts to climb on. And when you hear the clap of the hooves, when you see the white horse, it's gonna be, everybody just stops. And they're gonna be like, everybody get, get on your horse. And all of a sudden, by the hundreds of millions, by the billions, people climbing on their white horses that somehow we know how to ride. I don't know. And and you, you know, if maybe this is metaphorical and it's not real horses and the reality is it's a symbol of the victory that's going to be had, but storming in, I gotta believe this is probably reality, thundering horses coming down from heaven, God getting all the glory as he makes a massive, statement to the world. And we're riding in as armies following behind. Everybody say following. following. Dude, we are not leading. There are many who absolutely read through Revelation 19 and say that this is a, a story of the church having victory in this world. Everybody say, not that. they not even close to that. This is a story of Jesus Christ having full authority and power and Him alone having victory and we're riding behind. We're on right horses behind. It says arrayed in fine linen, white and pure. We've already been perfected and glorified in the heavens for a short time with Him. It says, and from His mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. Only weapon mentioned in the entire passage. From his mouth comes a sharp sword, and from that he will strike down the nations. His spoken word, and it's done. We have a God who spoke and creation existed. We have a God whose authority and power in what he says is everything. And just so you know, all it will take is enough. It is done. We don't know what the words are that he's gonna say, but whatever he says, bam, and it's over. The rebellion is squashed right there. May God get all the glory. Coming in with this sharp sword, the only weapon used is his word. You and me, we're just holding on for dear life and coming along for the ride. You know what I mean? That's what's happening, man. As we come thundering in behind, it says, And he will rule, everybody say will rule. He will rule them with an iron rod. This is a huge deal. Second coming of Christ, and it's still talking about Christ ruling over the nations, and it uses the future tense. He will rule over the nations with an iron rod. Like this is a statement of shepherding there, the iron rod. This ruling is actually the word for shepherding. There's going to be some level of care and protection. There's going to be also care, protection, and punishment. This is a massive statement of Him ruling, of Him taking care of, and of Him protecting along the way that will be coming. Christ comes, and then the millennial kingdom. The thousand years, and we're gonna see more of that in the next series that we dive into when we get into Revelation 20 to 22. But he will rule, everybody say will rule. After he comes to this earth, he is going to take over and have an earthly rule for a thousand years, him in charge on this earth. May God get all the glory. And it says, and he will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of of God the Almighty. I'm not sure if I can come up with a rougher sentence in my life. And he will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty tread the wine press this is literally that kind of imagery of when you're walking in the wine press you're trying to crush down the grapes and get the liquid out of it to be able to get the juice out and to keep crushing and stepping everywhere to tread the wine press so that nothing anywhere is missed everything will be crushed down and it says what's actually doing the crushing Tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God. The fury of the wrath of God. As he stands against sin, as he puts it down once and for all, rebellion is going to be put to an end as Christ comes to rule. And it says, of God, the Almighty. Everybody say, the Almighty. There are not many gods, there is one God and his name is Jesus Christ known to us and we have God the Almighty who will rule over all. Know this, God has a plan. Everybody just say God has a plan. And man, Jesus Christ is coming. He is coming in glorious perfection. We the church are gonna be riding behind the ride of our lives. We're gonna be coming down seeing the Mount of Olives from the heavens. Just try to imagine it for a moment. As you're seeing down below you the Mount of Olives coming down to the place where Christ 2,000 years ago went up and ascended into the heavens, coming down with Him and as He comes to touch down in charge, Jesus Christ. May He truly get all the glory. He is in, char- everybody just say, God is in charge. And Christ is coming to make that perfectly clear, right? This is a huge, huge deal. So uh, we actually have a drawing that we put in your books, and we'll go ahead and throw it up here as well. This is a drawing of Christ that comes from Revelation 19 here, and uh, so appreciate uh, what Tim put together here for us. And uh, you can see the white horse, the massive thunderous statement. You can see the king of kings written on the robe elements and the dipped in blood and all of the pieces of authority. The sword, he's not carrying a sword. You see the sword coming from his mouth. By the way, I've seen a lot of drawings where they make a literal sword coming from his mouth. It is saying the sword, which is the words that he speaks, destroying those in front of him. I love the kind of the subtle statement, but the light blast, the sword like effect of his words. Man, this is our king in all of his glory. The skyline behind just splashing and beaming with light. May God truly get all the praise. I'm just telling you, we've Been in Israel, we've been at the Mount of Olives. The brightness of the sky there is something like bar none. I'm just, there's something so unique about the sky and the brightness. I can't even imagine what it's gonna be when the glory of God enters into the skyline and Jesus Christ comes down in all righteousness and fury. Cannot imagine the thunderous glory going to be expressed in that moment. This is Jesus Christ, our King of Kings, coming for us and celebrating that forever he will be in charge. The promise he had made that I will take over and forever rule. And he's making good on that promise to the end. It's a huge deal, man. And uh, man, do you know that King? Do you know this God? Is he your savior? Do you believe in Jesus? And scripture's super clear that saved, it requires believing that Jesus is risen from the dead and confessing him as Lord. We say it around here, it's not easy, but it's as simple as A, B, C. To admit, I'm a sinner. I'm a mess. Like, I'm never good enough to make sure that I'm in heaven alone just on my own works. I come up short. I admit it. And I believe, I believe that Jesus has died on the cross and he is risen. That he has died for me and he is risen. He's alive. Everybody just say he's alive. And I admit I'm a sinner. I believe he is alive. And let her see, I confess him as Lord you're in charge god take over in my life that's saved and there are too many people that are like i admit i'm i'm a sinner and i believe he died sure uh, i don't know about in charge i'll do what i want be careful man that's not saved Romans 10, super clear. It requires not only us believing he has risen, but saying, Lord, take over. You're in charge of my life. How does this need to go? May you get all the glory. May we admit and believe and confess all for his name and his fame. Ready? And all of God's people said. Amen. And then if you do, if you have admitted and believed and confessed, just taking inventory, okay, Lord, with a smile on my face, I'm celebrating it. You are coming again. You are over it all, and you will reign. And I praise your name and lift him up. And if you haven't trusted Christ making today the day you put a stake in the ground, I'm done with this. Lord, I now listen to you. I admit, and I believe, and I confess, and just making it super clear right away with him. May God get all the glory, okay? Number two, worship. First point was believe. Second, worship. Jesus will conquer all those gathered against him in war. Rebelling man, the beast, and the false prophet in one quick moment worship jesus will conquer all those gathered against him in war rebelling man the beast and the false prophet in one quick moment it says then i saw an angel standing in the sun and with a loud voice he called to all the birds that fly directly overhead come gather for the great supper of god just so you know when you look in the first part of Revelation 19. You see, blessed is the one who's uh, invited to the feast, the marriage feast of the Lamb. Well, the word feast there is the same word supper, the supper of the Lamb. So you have the supper of the Lamb, which is this awesome blessing. It's us being able to celebrate Christ and uh, being able to celebrate that we are saved, we're His church, we're His bride, that we're with Him. The supper of the Lamb is like us, being invited to enjoy all that there is to eat. It's gonna be a massive celebrate. It's a good thing, everybody say a good thing, right? And then the supper of God, so that's the supper of the lamb. The supper of God is where the birds of the air are invited to feast. They're invited to feast on all things. What are they invited to feast on? It says right after it, to eat, The flesh of kings and the flesh of captains, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses and their riders, and the flesh of all men, both free and slave, both small and great. They're going to eat the flesh of all those standing against Jesus Christ, who will lose in an instant. Dude, that's a pretty rough mealtime, right? This past week Jonna's mom is actually in africa right now and she sent a video of vultures swarming to a carcass dude it was brutal i i could put it up for you but i don't know if that's a good move i'm just telling you constantly swarming in a wave of vultures and then more vultures and then more vulture and more and more and they're pushing each other out of the way as they're going to tear at and he's like welcome to the great supper of God. For those who stand against Jesus Christ, there is going to be a feasting of the birds in the midst. Uh, Everybody just say, that's rough. I agree with you, man. And uh, that's the supper of God. And he's like, just so we're clear, Jesus Christ is going to win. It says, uh, and then I saw the beast and the kings of the earth with their armies. Okay, so we have to really hear this clearly. And I saw the beast and the kings and their armies. You hear the three things? This is a really important deal. Beast, kings, and armies. Everybody say those out loud. Ready? Beast, kings, armies. Hang on to that. That's going to be super important as we continue to move through this. And I saw the beast and the kings and their armies gathered to make war against him who was sitting on the horse and against his army. Everybody say that's a terrible idea. What in the world? Isn't there a point where you should just be like, we lose, we bow, like you're in charge. And no, they stand against Jesus, the beast, the kings and the armies, and uh, they get ready to go after it and here's how it's summarized. And the beast was captured. (laughs) Have you ever watched a movie and like there's this massive evil going on and you're longing for the right to happen and for everything to get done and all they do is show them walking away in and you're like, what happened? How did you get this guy? What? They're like, it's not even worth talking about. Jesus is so in charge. The rebellion rises up, and Jesus is just like, boom, enough, and it's over. Puts it to arrest immediately. And the beast was, well, he was just captured. And with it, the false prophet. Remember, the false prophet is the one in the Revelation 13 who is alongside of the beast. The beast is the one who takes over in that final seven years that's to come. The beast is the one who ends up saying, you'll worship me. And the false prophet is pointing to him and being like, everybody worship him. Everybody go at him, right? These are the two that we're talking about. It says the beast and now the false prophet. It says the helper of the beast, right, who is in its presence had done the signs by which it deceived those who had received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped its image. It's like the false prophet, the ones who had, uh, had pointed everybody towards worshipping the beast. He also goes down and it says these two were thrown alive. Everybody say alive. Huge deal, by the way thrown alive into the lake of fire that burns with sulfur. For those who would love to take revelation and make it tie back to some prior time in history, right? This is a huge problem because you actually have human beings that passed away that they're trying to point to as the beast, but it says thrown alive into the lake of fire. It hasn't been fulfilled yet, man. And in the future, in the seven years when Christ comes back, he's going to take over these monstrous beasts. Remember the beast, how evil, how nasty, how world dominant, horrible. And Jesus steps in and boom, it's done. Lake of fire immediate. False prophet, lake of fire immediate. Jesus Christ dealing with it in all his authority. It says these two were thrown alive into the lake of fire that burns with sulfur. The lake of fire, this Other term for hell, a violent suffering that does, it says, last for eternity. It says, and the rest. So let's make sure we remember this. It says, beast and kings and armies, right? And so now we've just seen the beast taken down. So who's left? Kings and armies, right? It's a really big deal we get that. Because some people read this and they see the words, and the rest, and they'll be like, all of humanity but just so you know, that's not what it says. The beast, the kings, and the armies rise up. There's some that are coming against Christ, and the beast goes down right away, and the rest, the kings and their armies, well, it says the rest end up going down by being slain by the sword that came from the mouth of him who was sitting on the horse. Everybody say, that's Jesus. They were slain by the sword that came from his mouth. Literally, he speaks a word and it's done. Boom, it's over. Jesus Christ thundering into this world on a white horse. His foot touches down on the Mount of Olives and the Mount of Olives rips in half, we see from Zechariah 14. And in the midst of his authority, he speaks and it's over. Beast is in the lake of fire, false prophet lake of fire. The rest of those who come against instantly done in fact Zechariah 14 actually tells you how you can go there and read the details in verses 12 through 16 Zechariah 14 12 through 16 but here's basically what it says it says and their flesh will rot where they stand and their eyes will rot in their sockets and their tongues will rot in their mouths everybody say that's a big deal right And the reality is, as that gets done, I mean, you might be like, well, that sounds like a nuclear blast, right? A nuclear blast that only hits the bad guys, right? That's what's going on. A massive authoritative statement. And then it says in Zechariah 14, 16, then everyone who survives of the nations that came up against Jerusalem, see how there's more? There's people who weren't going against Jesus, and they're the ones who are now going to come forward into the kingdom, some of those it says, and all the birds were gorged with their flesh. Jesus wins, and all the birds are gorged with their flesh. He puts the rebellion to an end. Jesus wins. Everybody just say, Jesus wins. Jesus wins. Man, it is just a huge deal that we grasp. We've been reading through all of the book of Revelation. We've been reading from the beginning of Genesis. We see creation established. We see rebellion take place. We see a promise of one coming who will absolutely crush the head of Satan at his first coming on a donkey, coming down sacrificially. Behold the Lamb of God who dies for you and me. He crushes spiritually at the cross. Thousands of years later, we'll come to that seven years, and at the end of the seven years, his second coming, as he thunders in on a white horse, him in charge, and he puts an end to it all, and he establishes his kingdom forever, Christ is king of kings. And all of God's people said, and this is our hope, this is our power, this is our trust, Jesus Christ is coming again and he gets all the worship, right? May we truly celebrate him. May we praise him. Now we're going to do one thing at the end here, and I'm just going to close us in prayer, and then we're going to walk through a moment of response, okay, to make much of our God. So let me just close us in prayer, and then we're going to go to a time of response to celebrate Jesus Christ. Here we go. Lord Jesus, we thank you Lord, we thank you for the clarity of your word. Lord, we thank you for the authority of your word. Lord, we thank you for the massiveness and the glory of who you are. Lord, we thank you that you are so worth trusting. You are righteous and faithful and true. Lord, we thank you that you are our promise and our hope and we lean on you. We come to you as King of kings and Lord of lords. We thank you for all that you are. Father, we just pray now that you get all the glory and all the praise. And just right where you are, lifting up Jesus Christ. Just right where you are, praising him. Thank you, Lord, for all that you are. Thank you, Lord, for all that you mean to us. Just lift him up. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you died on the cross, that you humbled yourself. Lord, we thank you and we praise you And Lord, we thank you that you have offered us hope and life eternal. We lean on you. And just right where you are, Lord, you're in charge of my life. I lean on you. And Lord, we praise your name that you are coming again. We praise your name that you're in charge. man. Lord, we thank you for the fact that you're right here with us. In the midst of all of our struggle, in the midst of all of our heartache, you provide for us. You are awesome. Man. I'm just gonna ask everybody to go ahead and stand right where you are. I'm gonna read some phrases off. And your job is to respond as big as you can contemplate this we have a God who is over creation when creation fell away we have a God who comes to save and restore we have a God who covers sin and pays the price we have a God who is going to establish a kingdom that will last forever Man, as we respond, respond keeping all of this in mind. That is my God. Ready? You have one word to say. The word is Jesus, as loud and big as you got. Let me hear it. Jesus, louder and bigger. Jesus. Jesus, who is this God? Jesus. Keep it up, keep it that loud. I'm gonna ask some questions, you give me the answer. Who is over all of creation? Who died for our sins? Who is risen from the dead? Who is worthy to take the scroll? Who will unleash the thunderous sevens? Who is our groom and our future in heaven? Who is faithful and true? Who is righteous and fierce? Jesus. Who is coming again? Jesus. Who will win? Jesus. Who is King of Kings? Jesus. Everybody say it as loud as you got. King of Kings, bring it with all you have. King of kings. Louder and bigger. King of kings. Lord Jesus, we love you. Amen. Amen. Bring it for him. Lord Jesus, we love you. We praise you. We humble ourselves before you. You are King of kings. We thank you for all that you are. And we lift you up now. In the mighty, saving, glorious, coming name of Jesus, I pray these things. And all of God's people said,